Jason Maxwell from 8th Summit Games is sitting down with me. It's very nice to sit down, I have to say, here at Gen Con. And I'll be the first to admit, I'm not overly familiar with 8th Summit, but I am familiar with your Gen Con release, or at least somewhat we run, fight, or die. First off, Jason, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. And let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the games you already have available. Because don't you have like three titles, two or three titles that are out? Uh, no, we have more than that. Um, okay. See, once again, I'm showing my ignorance. <laughs> That's okay. We're still young. I've only been publishing. I think I've had two, about two years. I've had games on the market. Okay. So Agents of Smirsh was our first one. We had an expansion of that. We did Wolfgang Kramer's uh, Expedition, an up- updated version of that, and uh, Ace Detective, another game by Richard. Lanius. And now Run, Fight, or Die. And we have several more in the pipeline that should be coming out next year. I had heard a rumor that Run, Fight, or Die was out here at Gen Con, and the first thing I thought was, oh, I guess Lock and Load is here. That's kind of weird. And then I popped over and I saw the banner. I was like, oh, my gosh, looks like Jason's company is doing this. So we're going to talk a little bit about that in just a second because I'm so happy to see that design finally come out because it was kind of floating in limbo for a while. Let's talk about some of your earlier stuff. Let's talk a little bit Agents of Smirch. That's obviously a spy game? Exactly, yes. Uh, I originally didn't intend to get into publishing, but I wanted to make a... I like to write, so I wanted to make a different version of the Tales of Arabian Nights game. You know, it comes with a thick book of encounters, but I also wanted to make it into a game with dice. Um, and a different theme, of course. And um, so I did it, started doing re- research, and I and both Richard and I thought the spies genre, Richard does does development for me, was probably the best genre that we could think of it that would that would go over well um, for a nice book of encounters and board game. And uh, so I started writing this, and I wrote it over a long period of time. And the game developed. And it came together so nicely. It was so unexpected when I would show it to people. Even though I would just have sheets of paper, I'd be shuffling through. They didn't even have to get to pick their own encounters. I would read them aloud. And I would see all these people just this kind of crappy prototype I put together. They didn't care. They just were getting into it. They were laughing at their characters and that sort of thing. That's when I knew I had something. So we put it up on Kickstarter. And at the time, it was uh, right after D-Day dies. So it was uh, probably the second highest uh, Kickstarter at the time. We did over 100000 less we say about the company behind D-Day Dice, the better. But anyway, so is Agents of Smirsh, is that kind of a lighthearted game, or is it more of a serious... Tells Arabian Nights. Yeah. Um, years and years. Similar. I mean, it's that, I use that as a skeleton. Uh, it has encounters, but the encounters are pass-fail instead of you just reading. It's a cooperative game, so everybody's trying to defeat the evil Dr. Lobo who has his own track, and you're traveling around, you have an encounter like a car chase. And it, uh, you'll pick a reaction matrix. It's pretty simple. It's, I've also simplified it from Tales of Arabian Nights. So you pick from a reaction matrix, and you get an encounter. Somebody else reads it to you, and you roll dice, and, you, and then something is read to you, pass or fail, depending on if you pass or fail. Sure. So the book is like 350,000 words. So, um, and we have an expansion book, uh, Swagman's Hope, with a board. And I have, now I have a scenario book in the works. Um, nice. The second kick starters up and it's going to probably exceed the first game first edition so agents of smirch put you on the board because 
because you you had such a successful Kickstarter run. I think it's going to continue to sell, you know, because there's just not anything like it. What did you release second from Eighth Summit? Richard and I, I've been close friends for a while now, and I go over Richard Lanius. Lanius, right? Designer of Arkham Horror is what probably a lot of people automatically associate with Richard. Right, and I and you know I've been playing a lot of his prototypes, and and I I didn't do a whole lot of my own prototypes before. I had a few that I played around with. But the Smurfs game was really the first one where I really jumped in. I mean, I wasn't intentionally. I wasn't one of these who wanted to be a game designer. Right. Yes. But I saw it as an avenue to actually do writing. Because, you know, the writing fiction, there's there's no money in writing fiction. New York Times bestseller list. Uh, nobody's buying an island to go retire on. I didn't really get a whole lot of attention either anymore. Not like I used to. Um, and I just had a ball writing this thing. I mean, I created characters. They keep popping up in, in, in encounters. And it, just this whole world developed. And um, I went to Richard and I said, don't you have a storytelling game? It's like set in the 40s and you play a detective and people tell the stories. And, you know, he has this closet full of prototypes. Sure, right. Because yeah. he, ne- he never sleeps, right? Sure. So he pulled it out and we started looking at it. And he, thought, he goes, you got to get pulp art for this from the old magazines. And I went to Black Mass Magazine, licensed our artwork, put that game together next. Put it be Ace Detective? Ace Detective. And it's a very niche game because... Um, most people don't like to play cards and tell stories, as far as I've seen. Not in America, anyway, but the, the Japanese love it. Arc like picked it up and printed it. Europe, in Europe, uh, people are pretty cool on that. I think one of the, the issues, and I just did a review recently of a storytelling game from Cubicle 7 based on The Hobbit. Uh, a lot of it has to do is if you're an inverted gamer, you're, you know, not a really good storyteller, it kind of becomes a chore for you to play that game. Right. Well, Smurfs not like that because you read the encounters. You just right. get into character. Right. Ace is like that. Um, but I wanted to do it anyway. It used to be a niche game. I love the game. We all love the game. Play it. We all play it a lot. And so that one did pretty well because I followed it right behind Smurfs and it was Richard Lanius. Um, at that point, I was thinking, well, maybe I should think more about this publishing thing because I'm not doing bad at it. Right. I mean, I had no idea what I was doing at first. I just contacted people myself and picked the best, most economical way to do things. I mean, you have to do everything yourself. Otherwise, you you have to hire a crew, which I wasn't willing to do or had the money for. I would just start emailing people, and that's how I decided I want to do Expedition. It's this um, game from the 80s. It's been republished several times, but there wasn't a readily available English version well, there are, but they are hard to find. Usually they're a couple hundred dollars or even more. Wow, okay. And so I just wrote Wolfgang an email, and he said, sure. And I said, what should we do? We discussed a little bit on how we should theme it. And I told him what I'd like to re-theme it, which would mean I'd have to redraw the board and new art. Well, I want to update the artwork because the older editions, um, the artwork isn't quite modern, you know. And um, that one's come out, and it's done, it's done pretty well for us. It's, people sit down and play that. They love it. What is the theme? The theme for that one is our, is explorers and exploration. But it, the gameplay is very simple. But it's I've ne- this mechanic to this day is still not used in any other game. And Wolfgang used it uh, I think as early as the 70s in games. This, this 
arrow laying mechanic. On your turn, you just lay arrows. You're trying to reach destination. Okay. And you have these cards, and they're full of textual textual information uh, about explorers, famous sites, and that sort of thing. And um, that was the next game. Um, and it did fit fairly well as well. Following that, next, Run, Fight, or Die. Um, that's when I partnered with Gray Fox, because it was... It had a lot more artwork than I had ever done before. You know, with Ace, we licensed it. Uh, with Expedition, there was a lot of public domain artwork. I partnered with them. And of course, they're associated with the cool stuff and used some of their marketing tools and their resources. And it took about a, a year to get the miniatures and the uh, all the artwork done. And we had a pretty good feeling it was going to do well because um, just everywhere we took this game, and I go to conventions a lot with Richard, he would play this game and there would just be people laughing and, and everybody seemed to love it. And I had already heard the same thing back when another publisher was you know, was looking at doing it. Myself personally, I, I kept sitting there going, well, come on, when's it coming out? What's the deal here? I'm so excited that you've released it. And from what I've seen at the booth, you're doing demos of it. It looks great. Well, before I came to Gen Con, about a week before, I got my first call. You know, I've, I've had some contact with distributors and I've done some sales with them. You know, there hasn't been a strong relationship yet, but I got a call from one, and the first thing he says, I just want to thank you for finally publishing Run, Fight, or Die. I saw that game four or five years ago, and I've been looking for it ever since. Um, yeah, the original publisher had it, and... It, for whatever reasons, it just, yeah, it just didn't, didn't come to fruition. So, I mean, after a couple years, uh, Richard, I think he was getting a little patient, so I... So I said, well, if you ever get that title back, um, I'll do it for you. And I know he had other publishers interested, bigger ones than me. It's always nice to have friends. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Well, this is Richard is, is a big part of why I'm publishing right now. I took it on as a full-time job. Gray Fox contributed to that as well. So I, I've made some really good allies in the business. If it weren't for those two, or one, at least one of them, probably wouldn't be doing this right now. Thanks, Richard. <laughs> So let's talk a little bit about Run, Fight, or Die. And I'm going to have to jump back into my aging memory bank here. But if I remember correctly, it's dice-based. It's It's got some custom dice. And isn't your character sometimes, like, saddled with, like, survivors that they're trying to, well, to help? And then some of the survivors are helpful, and others are, like, a real major pain in the ass. All right. You got the grandfather who's slow. Screamer or something who, like, attracts zombies. Yeah, he'll, she'll try. But those are worth a lot of victory points. Right. Um, and then there are other ones, like the spunky mom, who's worth less victory points, but she's carrying a gun, and she can make one of the ones that, is, that has a negative attribute take away their negative attribute. So is the art for the spunky mom, is she hot? Uh... <laughs> Because, you know, in those kind of movies, the spunky mom's always usually pretty hot. I wouldn't say she... I wouldn't say she's not. <laughs> the artwork's very... It's kind of a... I wanted that... A little bit of that B-movie, horror movie feel. Uh, n nothing too serious. A little... On the light side, lighter colors and that sort of thing. Because I didn't want a dark, brooding horror game. I thought that would just not be attractive to most gamers. And this is the type of game you could teach your kids. 
kids, if you don't mind the theme. You can play with the eight-year-old or nine-year-old easily, um, and even non-gamers. I mean, and, a dark, and a very dark, gritty, grim kind of look. Well, I was going to say, it, it probably wouldn't really fit into just the whole Eighth Summit line of games. It would, it would kind of stand out like a sore thumb, don't you think? Um, I would say, yeah, it would stand out. Um, I'm not, I'm not interested in, in going too far into the dark and gritty. Yeah, I want something that's fun. To me, a game is meant to be fun, and, and whether that's fun through strategy or fun through uh, interaction. Um, is there a lot of interaction with the players playing Run Fight or Die? Run Fight or Die has probably more limited interaction. There's some interaction. You can you can put zombies on another person's uh, card. You know, we'll take that for it. A lot of the fun of the game is watching other people just trying to survive against these zombies. Because on some boards, you, they can pretty much get a monopoly of the zombies, and they're just coming right at them, and you're just laughing at them. That's what I was gonna say. I, I'm sure there's a lot of that. <laughs> but there is a co-op version that um, is all interaction. So okay, is that a, an optional variant? No, it's a it's expansion of cards. Okay, so and, it's an expansion. Uh, okay, we were giving those out uh, with the Kickstarters, and, so, and we made it to a little box, box expansion cards. It had a couple of characters in it too, um, but we are about out of those. So oh, see now I was just about to say, well, and if you didn't back the Kickstarter, your SOL. <laughs> I'm sure we will re- reprint those. It's just a little, uh, it's going to be a cheap little box expansion, but the, the co-op version, half the character, so you, you, you're passed out a card, like you can be the tourist, or uh, you're a character then as well, but half of the characters in the game that are kind of crazy, um, and you all have to complete your goal in order to, to win, and when you complete your personal goal, you flip your card, and then you have a permanent penalty, and so you're waiting for the other ones to complete their goals while you have a penalty. It's like, hurry up. <laughs> sure, right. And there's, the, there's the necromancer. You could be the necromancer and he, he started the whole thing. I was say, yeah. And oh, all the zombies uh, think you, all the zombies are attracted to you. They think you're their daddy. Right. So <laughs> you have a problem. I think when you flip your car, they just start coming at you or something. So it has these little, these weird, these fun interactions in the, in the co-op version that you don't get in the competitive version. Okay, it looked uh, at your booth as if that's kind of flying off the shelf. Well, it's not really shelves, they're stacks. It's flying off the stack. Well, yeah, we had to go to the other side. Of, I mean, we're sharing with uh, Tom Basil and a couple other people, um, with Gray Fox, and, and we had to go over there and say, hey, hey guys, we need more tables over here. Can we, can we run that's more? That's a horrible thing to have to do, right? I felt really bad about it. and You wanted to be the, and, and God love them. I mean, the little publishers were just the one person at the booth because it's their company. Aren't you glad you're not that guy? Because you can go to the bathroom when you want. Yeah, it's very nice. I mean, the, the people who came with me are basically all my friends, you know. Yes, yes. And I... And some of them last minute were just riding down here, and they like they would get an email going, "Hey, I was thinking, you need another demo person." And I'd say, "Sure." And those guys have not left the demo tables, and I'm like, "You guys can take a break. You guys can leave." Yeah, we're cool. 
and they're like, no, no, I'm fine. They just stay there forever. So it's, yeah, there's a lot of energy there. I guess we all want to be a part of it, right? So Of course. Everybody wants to be part of the happening thing. Therefore, going shopping to sit there and just interact with people. And, yeah, the demos have been running nonstop. Jason, what uh, other projects are on the horizon right now that you might be able to share with our audience? Well, I have several things. Um, I have a children's storytelling game, which is turned into a monster of sorts because it's uh, it's going to have a big, thick book of il- illustrations, and um, it's going to be similar, you know, similar in tone to Smurfs, but it's for children, you know, you, and it's going to be very simple. And uh, you go to a location, you flip a creature, and then uh, you'll get you'll read aloud. That it, I'm going to say it's a parent-assisted. and see how that comes across. Parent-assisted game, and they read aloud this little story, and and you get the kid might be rewarded a, a card or something like that. Um, been working on that for a while now, and I'm actually working on that with Holmes. Um, he did the Tiny Epic Kingdoms, and uh, we he and I have been working on that for I think over a year because uh, there's just so many illustrations. Um, I don't think there's anything quite like that for kids. Not that I'm aware of. And so I'm a little bit nervous about that one, I'll admit, because uh, it's new and, and kids' game in general, I don't know how to market them. I'm, I'm new to that area. Completely different animal. So it's just one of those pet projects I started, and it just kept going and going and going, and it, and it, it looks great. We'll see what happens with that. But in my regular line of games, we have uh, Paul Saxberg. This game he's had for a while that won some Canadian awards for prototype called Coven. And uh, that's kind of also a unique theme in gaming, witchcraft. Um, And every player has a secret alignment. The board is going to be round, and it's kind of a rotating center. Um, Everybody has a secret alignment, but not only do they have a secret alignment, there are five non-playing goddesses, and they have their own board. Those goddesses each have a secret alignment. And the way the alignments are passed out, it could be four people on the same side against one person, and then the rest go to the goddesses, so there could be four people for that one person against and one one goddess for the other four players. Um, and, and there are ways to switch alignment in the game. It's not very often, but uh, it's a really interesting design. It's kind of unique in the, in the sense. Is it going to have a, a bit of a you know a lighter look to it as well? Say for an example, with Run Fighter Die, you didn't want to go dark. Subject of witchcraft, some people get a little uncomfortable with that. So are you going to kind of make sure it's kind of lighter artwork? So it's definitely not you know traditional grounded. You know, you don't have these witches with these pointy hats. There's no like satanic hooves and lines of. Um, I guess I can say this. Like, I w- I'm shooting for that fantasy flight type, fantastic art. You know, with lots of. Uh, lots. If you can't say it, I can say it for you. <laughs> I mean, the the pentagram has this tentacle monster coming out of a, an abyss, uh, like a portal. Um, That'll appeal to Lovecraft fans. It's a little bit of fantasy mixed in there too, sorcery and that sort of thing. Um, so no, don't think of pointy hats with witches and, and brooms and, and things like that. 
So I would say yes. The answer is yes. But I, th- this one you probably wouldn't play with younger folks. It's a little bit more complex with the, with the secret alignments and that sort of thing. The gameplay is extraordinarily simple. You only have five actions, and you're traveling around a board, um, and there's five different spaces that you can land on. But there are other things going on that make it more varied. And is that going to be a Kickstarter project? As long as Kickstarter is viable and 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 the public still views it as a more positively than negatively. Um, yeah, that's a discussion for another time, of course. Sure, I don't see why not. Um, I'm just kind of curious, as far as when would you be launching that project? Oh well, it, when, when do you think that would hit market? We have most of the artwork. Most of the artwork's done. A lot of the graphic design's done. Uh, there's a little bit of development I want to do. We added. Just a few minor elements to the game. still developing a little bit, so I would say another month or two of that, and then it will be ready to be presented. So, you know, next year, early next year, first quarter. Anything else that's on the near horizon? Yes. <laughs> of course. Um, well, that's why I asked. Uh, Richard Lines has got a card game he made in like a weekend <laughs> after Dice Tower, and we were looking at prototypes, and Richard go, you know what would be interesting? <laughs> he said, what if you did this and this and this and this? I'm going to go make this game. <laughs> and he got home. He made it over the weekend. And he called me up and said, hey, I made this game. And people love it. So I looked at it. I, you know, and I, my thing isn't small card games. I, I'm not going in that direction. But this one was pretty neat. So And it, and it has a lot of uh, potential for expansion. And I like that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm a gamer, too, right? Right. Um, so I don't make expansions just... Just to, just to beat something to death, right. Just to offer a product. I make them because I want to see them in games myself when I buy them. Lots of neat expansions, lots of uh, a chance for great artwork. And I don't know if anybody knows this, but but Richard's favorite, uh, his favorite genre is fantasy. I did not know that. So, uh, and this is a fantasy game, and I'm trying to put a little twist on the traditional fantasy. Sure. He likes the traditional fantasy a lot. Sure. And, um... So that one we started working on. I think it's going to come together pretty quick because uh, it's just it's, it's just a card game. It's going to need a, a fair amount of art, but, but once the artists get going and they have that done, we can put that together quickly. Do you have a working title for it right now? We have a title, but I think it's going to change. Right now it's Dungeon Frenzy. Um, I'm trying to lose the word dungeon. I want it. I don't know. We're, we're, we're going back and forth on it. Sure. Sure. It could stay the same, though. Okay. And then there's another... Another project. This is a, a pet pet project. <laughs> I've been trying to get made for three, four years. I've asked half a dozen designers, even big name designers, if they will make it for me. Um, I can't. I could not get any of them to sign on board for various different reasons. They all have different reasons. And then finally, me and Richard sat down and we came up with. I don't want to say too much, but we came up with the basic design and the mechanics uh, from another game, he, a big game of his, we're going to use as a starting point. He's already drawn the board. The skeleton to kind of build We're going to hammer that out together. Uh, and my goal is to have this one ready for next Gen Con. And nice. And it's going to have things, a few things in it that I don't think have been seen before in games. Uh, Are we looking at a large-scale kind of game? 
mid-sized game. Doesn't sound like it's a small card game. It's, I would say it's um, mid to large. I mean, when you say large, I'm not. I'm thinking Cthulhu's games is huge, right? It's not like that. No, right. I'm not really interested in making giant games, but maybe Flying Frog. One yeah. Of the, one, yeah. Okay. Yeah, something like that. I'd say that's a good scale. Um, good but there's going to be a ton of work to do to get it done a year, and we have both decided we're absolutely going to get it done. Now, whether that happens or not, <laughs> I think I think we can. But so you're giving an optimistic projection of next gen con. Gen con and printed. Right. Sure. So you can um, offer it. Right. And I think if we can do that, it's gonna it's gonna be a get a little you know a good bit of, a little you know it's gonna get some attention because it's gonna be not quite what anybody's seen before. Excellent. And Jason, any final thoughts or words you'd like to share with our audience about Eighth Summit? Uh, yes, come to buy my, my games. <laughs> <laughs> We've revamped our website. Come check it out. Come look at our games. We're gonna be expanding. Uh, for years to come, if you like theme, if you like story, uh, if you like excitement, I'm kind of going for this blockbuster movie type idea in gaming uh, with great illustration and exciting gameplay. Come check us out. And so you're teasing our audience. Jason, give them the website address. <laughs> it's 8thSummit.net. I'm trying to get 8thSummit.com. I'm very close. But 8thSummit.net. That's number 8th. Wonderful. Jason Maxwell, thank you so much for taking some time out here at Gen Con. Your booth is cranking. People are walking around with Run, Fight, or Die under their arms. And it's great to actually meet you. It's great to meet you. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you.